Hello, and welcome to another episode of Resting Batch Face, the only Temptation Island recap pod where the fantasy date that the hosts are most jealous of is just going to the mall with Tula. Amen. I'm Dan Paul, joined as always by my good friend Gwen Kirby. Gwen, how you doing today? Doing pretty well. I feel a little tired today, but I've got my iced coffee and I'm ready to I'm ready to talk Temptation Island. I'm glad to hear that because the one area that I find myself in lockstep with Kendall about is that as he wanted to make sure he was on the same page as Alexis, I too want to make sure I am on the same page with you. And that page is, let's recap some fucking Temptation Island. Hell yeah, I got three pages of notes somehow and I'm ready to go. So we again are given just some quick scenes from last week. As always, Thomas is handling things the best that he is capable of, <laughs> fussing about the breaking of a contract in the manner of like, I don't know, some something on Game of Thrones where again the blood oath has not been fulfilled. And Aaron is crying about having lost Corey because she sees him just having a conversation with Amanda. Again, heartbreaking stuff. Devastating. But this is, this is a pretty juicy, meaty episode in a lot of ways, as this is the last episode before the final bonfires. They haven't seen their partners in a month, and the next two episodes, they're going to return to them. And we begin by them, more or less begin by them setting up the final dates, which I really wish we were good enough at podcasting to put in some music, because I, <laughs> I do think that this warrants some like, bum bum, and not just the... Not just the standard fake One Direction hits that normally show up in Temptation Island. So to recap for the listener, Aaron picks Juwan. And if you're wondering who the fuck that is, you are in lockstep slash on the same page as your faithful hosts. Chelsea, of course, picks Blake. Erica picks Jesse, as we, we thought and knew she would. And Kristen to the appreciation of this podcast, which is a pro-Lex space, mm-hmm. picks Lex, meaning that we lost Griffin and we lost Alex. So before we mourn the lost, any surprises, anything interesting to you about these date selections? I mean, we talked last week about uh, who Aaron would pick, and I did think that she might pick Griffin. Um, so that was mildly surprising. By the time Kristen got around to picking Lex, I just realized there was kind of no one else for her to pick. She wasn't going to pick Griffin, and Alex has gone out of his way in the last episode or two to prove he was a douchebag. So um, Lex was kind of the the last man standing, but an excellent one. Indeed. We'll we'll talk about Lex perhaps a little bit more when we get to his date date with Kristen. But as you've said, the Tula of the male singles, which is, of course, the highest praise that Mm -hmm. could be could be delivered. I was a little bit surprised that Aaron picked Juwan over Griffin and not only because I had forgotten who Juwan was, <laughs> but I do think that it's a reflection, even if it's just subconscious of everything being about how she's going to put things back together with Corey rather than having any interest in anybody else. Juwan is, is there to be her therapist and he's only marginally less qualified than Mark Wahlberg. Whereas Griffin, there was some at one point chemistry. And so this is this is about internal development for her. Yeah, agreed. I mean, you know, big step, didn't pick the soccer player. Happy birthday to Aaron. Indeed. So I will just say of Griffin on his way out that in the manner that he, quote, is a retired soccer player, 
at the age of 25, I hope that he goes forward to say that he has retired from Temptation Island rather than being unceremoniously kicked out. (laughs) Yeah, my notes just say, Griffin, enjoy being a retired soccer player. Alex, enjoy being a douchebag. Farewell. (laughs) I'm sure he will. The only notes that I have for Alex are just realizing that the day before he was wearing a t-shirt that said, I am Batman. And in this moment, he is wearing an American flag shirt. So goodbye, Alex. I'm glad that you got your your moment on screen last episode starting shit with Aaron. Didn't even get a talking head going out. Maybe they reserved the talking heads for those capable of interiority. We know that's I'm not, not true. Sure. <laughs> I'm not. No, fair enough. Fair enough. But I don't think that's Alex's, Alex's speciality. I will say Mark Wahlberg just doing the things that only Mark Wahlberg can do. He says, you know, these are important choices for you to make as this is the last few hours of being single before you make decisions for the rest of your life. And I'll say two things. One, I don't know how single you are right now. <laughs> like the fact that you went on the show does not mean that you are not in a committed relationship that has its own its own rules. And also, I I do think that you'll have an opportunity to change your mind some over the rest of your life, despite what Mark Wahlberg says. Look, Daniel, if we've learned anything from Thomas, it's that verbal contracts are binding. You can't just, you know, say one thing and do another. So I'm pretty sure if you say you're going to do something at the bonfire, that's a lifelong commitment that no man can sunder. Indeed, indeed. The the unbreakable oath before the flames. So on the other the other side of the fence... Julian has selected Tula. Praise be. Hallelujah. Goodbye, Maya. We hardly knew ye. <laughs> Corey, of course, has picked Amanda. Thomas, who has a little bit of his um, button-down swag back as he's all the way below the belly button, has, of course, picked Sophia. And Kendall eliminates the last piece of remaining drama, picking Alexis instead of Nicole. So let's just quickly say goodbye to Maya. Her legacy is chicken. We could all wish so much. <laughs> Do you have any farewell notes for Maya before we get into the last gasps of the thruple? No, I, my only note was hashtag chicken gate. So <laughs> farewell, Maya. You <laughs> briefly seemed like a somewhat sane adult and that quickly passed away. We wish you the best. All right. Let, let's get to... Again, the last faint echoes of the thruple because there's actually some there's some content before Kendall makes this decision in which he has this two hour conversation evidently with Nicole where she says some things that I want to get to. She says, I fell for you hard. It's really confusing. It's really hard. And no doubt it would be confusing to find yourself feeling any kind of way towards Kendall. Alexis has a series of self-evident questions that she asks, (laughs) such as, is he the right man for me? Nope. No. Am I just a placeholder? Yeah. Yep. Is Kendall going to hurt me like he hurt Erica? Absolutely. (laughs) And And then another conversation in which Kendall tries to do damage control from the fires that he starts, in which he asks Alexis if they're on the same page. Here's my question for you. Are they on the same page? If so, what is that page? And if not, what are their respective pages? 
I've been team Alexis in the sense of don't hate the player, hate the game all season. I don't know if they're on the same page. I guess I'll say for all that Alexis is kind of performing irritation with Kendall. And I do think she's irritated with Kendall. I think she's just mostly done. Like, I feel like she's like, check her watch. Is it time to leave the island yet? She's just over it. I don't think she wants to be with him. And I don't think he wants to be with her. And I think for her ego, she would like to leave the island with him. But like, I don't, I mean, if, if the same page is we fucked and two weeks from now, we'll never see each other again, then yeah, I think they're on the same page. Um, My only other small note that I'd like to address here is that I like that they've introduced a new style of production, which is night vision fighting. (laughs) Clearly production was like, really like, God damn it. We have all this great night vision technology. No one's fucking. So now we're just going to use it for them fighting and hope that it, you know, hope that it has the same effect. They got to get their money's worth, Daniel. You're right. They should do what they do with the night vision on Naked and Afraid and just like point it out into the the wilderness to see if they can see any wildlife rustling about. This is where I think they're at. I think she hates him, but I think she also hates Nicole. And I think that it, it like would irritate her beyond belief to think that he who she hates would pick Nicole who she hates over herself who she only mildly hates. And in terms of just, like, the pages they're in, I mean, like, I think she's on, like, she's in a book called How to Be an Influencer, mm-hmm. and she is deep into the appendix because there is not a page on exactly how to handle this kind of situation. And he's just in the Kama Sutra. Like, or he's in a book, brief personal anecdote, I, I taught creative writing in a prison in Alaska some years back, and one of my students, a man named who self-identified as Juice, was working on a book on how to pick up women called Never Slackin' Forever Mackin'. (laughs) And that, shout out to Juice if he's listening to this. I hope that you eventually got your book published. He, at the time, was hesitant to even print out pages and bring them to workshop because anything he printed out, the prison kept a copy of, and he thought that they were going to plagiarize him. But if there's anything that Kendall is on the same page with, it is the work of Juice never slacking forever macking and that's where he's at he says something he says something in a talking head the next morning when he's again trying to piece things together with alexis and he says basically he says i care about alexis's feelings but at the same time i would never say that i'm definitely going to be with her which is the same way as saying i care about alexis's feelings but I'm never going to take any steps to value those feelings or protect them, which is of course just the Kendallest thing that can be done. I was going to say hashtag the Kendall story. Um, and then we, we get to his choosing Alexis, which I think you're totally right. I think she hates him and I think she loathes Nicole and just, you know, so she, so she's happy. And Nicole goes out with a pretty great quote, um, which she says, At the end of the day, if he wants to have the same problems he had with Erica, it's going to happen with Alexis. I'm definitely going to be awaiting a text message. Well, Nicole, he would have the same problems with Alexis that he had with Erica in that he would be the common denominator causing those problems. So yeah, I think that that's an accurate statement if perhaps not understood by the person voicing it. 
look, I know that like crypto is really hot right now, but if I could bet every penny that I have that Kendall is in fact going to text Nicole when he is back from the island and that she is going to hook up with him, I can't think of a sounder financial strategy, regardless of who he is or is not with. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, as he, as he says, um, I've always been a person who likes embracing challenges and the challenge of once again, having sex with Nicole is a challenge. (laughs) Kendall is eager to embrace. I just, one thing that I, I think just makes him perfect for this show. He is a savant in finding new and anodyne euphemisms for <laughs> fucking people that fit within the narrative structure of this show. I mean, I can't think of anybody better. It's incredible. And and he says them with a face as serious and straight as you could possibly hope for. I mean, I imagine that the straight face is a little easier for him because he's missing whatever part of the brain makes you feel things or fear things like I would actually, I wonder if he has some of the same cognitive setups as that dude from Free Solo, the guy who was just climbing mountains without ropes. And oh, one of the yeah. That oh, one of, yeah, yeah. Apologies for even bringing that up. Ugh. But yeah, we're, we are, we are a scared of heights <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yes, here. we are. But just that like, as much as it's like super impressive and courageous, it's just not possible if your brain is doing all of the things that humans have evolved to do, meaning fear death so that they don't die. And Kendall, to the extent that humans have evolved to care about each other in any capacity and to look beyond their own base needs, Kendall is missing those neurons or those synapses or whatever. And so he is able to just speak in Temptation Island gobbledygook with a completely straight face. Amen. Pour one out for the thruple. (laughs) The rare, the rare thruple where you just, you're just not sure who is in the worst position. I guess Alexis, because she's the only person who seems capable of both emotions and abstract thought. Yeah, I think Alexis. I, Nicole, I, Nicole was just like left and right, just like, you know, proven romance is not dead. You know, she says, I fuck with you hard. I Like poetry, you know? <laughs> Oh, man. She, too, is God's handiwork. <laughs> well, let's move on to these dates because, obviously, there's a lot going on. And then we'll, we'll move in to talk about, obviously, our predictions for for the bonfire. And I'll, I'll kick it to you. Which of these which of these dates do you want to start with? Because we could we could start with the heavy. We could start with the light. I'll, I'll leave it to you. Where do you want to start? I'll start, I guess, maybe with the first one in my notes, which is the, the contract is null and void award. Goes to <laughs> Sophia and Tom. Their date is exactly what I thought it was going to be. Uh, now that Tom is allowed to do what he wants, what he wants are Sophia's boobs. So he is he is happy to do that. I mean, I what do you even say about this date? I don't know. They're like 15 years apart in age. She really likes him. I will kick this question to you, though, Dan. So I was worried early in the season that like Sophia was going to be hurt, but I'd say that's actually not the sense I got by the, by the end of this date. I felt like Sophia enjoys spending time with Tom, was excited to have a chance to have sex with Tom. 
and is going to leave this island having gotten laid and having gotten some more Instagram followers. And big shout out to Sophia for having the only body on the island that looks like she like eats and doesn't work out 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But what do you think? Where did you feel like Sophia ended up in this? So as I was trying to answer the question, did this date change anything, either for the, the particulars or for my perception of them? I think the answer to both is yes. I think that this date tangibly both made Tom happy and changed my perception of these two people in that they both seem pretty simple and stupid. And they both seem like they just kind of want to be jolly and not overthink things because that's not their areas of expertise. (laughs) And I kind of like them together. Like, I think that he is everything that Chelsea is annoyed by. Sophia seems to be okay with this just sort of like simple flirtatious energy. And I do think that her boobs are enough to keep his attention, (laughs) at least for this short while until she grows out of him. And so like, I mean, we'll talk about, we'll talk about Chelsea and Blake when we get to them, but they at least legitimately, meaning Sophia and Thomas legitimately want to fuck each other, seem to make each other happy. And when they have really basic stilted conversation where they just say, I like you, unlike Chelsea and Blake, it doesn't seem sad because I don't think that they are capable of any more articulate conversation. Like this is them at they're just like throwing their fastballs. And I kind of like them together. Yeah, I got to agree with you. I, I mean... You know, uh, Tom said some ridiculous shit. He said, she's been a glowing light in these dark times, which (laughs) (laughs) I just, I love, I love Tom's interpretation of what's happened to him on this island that he chose to make his girlfriend go to. He's fucking fucking Churchill down there during the air raids. (laughs) It's just like, oh, Lordy. So I loved that. And, you know, maybe we'll pivot to I think you're right. The antithesis of them is is Chelsea and Blake because I just thought these were two people who liked jumping off of waterfalls together and having sex and drinking coffee. I would like to shout out to our listeners: don't do that twisty arm toast thing with a hot cup of coffee. You're just asking to pour hot coffee onto your bare legs. Don't do it. Yeah. There's a reason people do that toast with cold beverages. Or onto your exceptionally exposed cleavage in the case of <laughs> Sophia. So, yeah, before we get to, to Chelsea and Blake, just the award that I gave in reference to jumping off cliffs and in celebration of your particular vocabulary and style, I gave them the Pussy Ass Cliff Dive Award. And <laughs> that they jumped from, like, two feet, but they were, like, holding on to each other like they were about to risk life and limb for this exceptional moment. <laughs> That's a great award. I've just, I've seen, I've seen bigger jumps in a fucking holiday in pool. <laughs> I love it. I love that we finally have you really getting pedantic about, <laughs> about one of the date activities. I support this. When I have always said that you are an inspiration to me and this is, <laughs> this is just more evidence. I will just say before we get to Chelsea and Blake as well, that the morning after, I just want to thank Tom for this subconscious narrative development of his buttons because when he finally gets laid he is now completely unbuttoned 
as he walks out with, with Sophia, whereas Sophia, I believe, has been saving this particular piece, which has maximum underboob, as you pointed out in a previous episode. But she has saved – this is the piece de resistance. Yep. And it does it does what they want it to do. I mean, let freedom ring. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. And, you know, we'll get to this when we get to the bonfire. I think that Tom is truly free. Yeah. And maybe he will just reproduce the same issues that he does with Sophia. I mean, that he had with Chelsea with, with Sophia in that maybe – she will only be the shiny object for him for so long. And then he will seek out the next shiny object, but she shines and she seems like there is not that much more happening in her brain than the rattling of a trinket. So perhaps this could all, this could all work. Well, speaking of things that are not going to work, (laughs) what was your award for Chelsea and Blake? Mine was please say chemistry one more time award. (laughs) I mean, these two, Jesus Christ. They have no chemistry. I've never, by the end, I felt like I was watching siblings make out with each other. It was gross. There was a moment before we got to the dates that I thought was just hilarious where Blake sets up like a shitty version of a Bachelor in Paradise outdoor bed, right? Like if you've ever watched (laughs) Bachelor in Paradise, there's like a million of these like outdoor makeout areas essentially, right? And this was like, a cut rate version of that flower petals and a screw top bottle of rosé and they're like sitting there and he leans in and he says i like you i want you to give me a chance and he leans in and whispers if you aren't into it i'll stop which sounds like what you say when you're trying to convince your girlfriend to have anal sex with you like i wasn't sure what it was it was very off putting and strange um, and I guess before I will kick it to you, some some other great Blake quotes. I feel like Chelsea deserves to be with someone who makes her feel beautiful. Wow, what what incredible insight! Uh, and then Chelsea doesn't fuck him, which I thought was hilarious and absolutely delightful. What did you think about this, Dan? So I felt a lot of things. So the award I gave was was least sexy, and that conversation where they have about chemistry, where they say chemistry nine times. She's like cracking up at a certain point. It made me wonder if this was like the 15th take that they did. They just could not get through it without laughing. And the producers were just like, look, we have a pretty dope dinner set up for you later, but we're going to need something where you suggest that you actually want to fuck each other, even if it's a complete lie or else we're not going to serve you dessert. I was like seriously thinking like that scene where again, he walks her to the bed. And then she like slams the door. Well, not slams, but just closes the door on him and goes to bed on her own. Like I've had more sexual tension with the fucking holiday in front desk person of <laughs> as they gave me my room key than they had when Blake escorted her to her, you know, honeymoon suite functionally. I mean, there's some great lines. Chelsea says the feelings I have for Blake are indescribable. I too would struggle <laughs> to describe the feelings that you have for Blake. They are so anodyne. She also, when he sets up the the Bush League, you know, bed with with roses outside, which again, like, what are you going to fuck in public? I mean, given that you're not going to fuck in private, it seems unlikely. And she goes, Blake is very thoughtful. It's like, this is not him like taking a day off of work and like (laughs) surprising you at home with like a four hour home cooked dinner. There is nothing else to do here. Also... I would bet it's 50-50 at best that he did it rather than just a production assistant was like, what do you think? 
rose petals on the bed. He's like, do I have to move? They're like, nah, fuck it. We have an intern who'll do it. He's like, yeah, sure. I could give a shit. They're like, we already, this bed was actually already set up. Someone used it last night. Rose petals are still there. If you pick up a bottle of rosé on your way down, done and dusted. I was trying to think if this date changed my mind about anything. And there's only two things, and even these are are light changes. One, if I had any hope that they would at any point develop chemistry or that the lack of chemistry that we'd seen was just we hadn't been shown the right stuff, that has vanished and I think Tom is winning Temptation Island. I think that like this worked out kind of perfectly. Like he think about the, the chain of events here. He touched a booty, which led her to snuggle in the tu- in the pool, which led him to throw a fuss fit, which led her to smooch a dentist, which led him to fuck a hot twenty two year old, and emerge from that particular cocoon as if from a Lazarus chamber. So, I mean, I just think Tom won. I don't know that he set, I mean, I'm not saying this is like a Rube Goldberg machine that he set into motion. I don't think that he is savvy enough to have done any of that. But I do think given that these people were breaking up inevitably and that he ended up fucking someone who seems at least nice to, to hang out with, who seems to be in a good mood and she didn't even fuck this somber ass, huffy ass dentist. I think he wins. I couldn't agree more. I I don't want to speak out of turn, but I bet Tom and Sophia had had some good sex. They just both seem like lovely, delightful people. Well, that's a stretch. They both seem like they find each other lovely and delightful. And they probably really enjoyed making out. And Blake and Chelsea have so little chemistry that I don't know if you noticed this when they were kissing on the boat, the camera just kind of kept getting closer and closer and closer (laughs) to their mouths. Like the camera person was hoping like the less we could see of their faces, the more we might think the kiss was like sexy. And I think, I think they both know it. I think Blake and Chelsea a little bit like Kendall and Alexis are kind of just running out the clock at this point. I mean, Sophia and Tom, I think bring out the best in each other in that they don't challenge each other in any way. And they don't, neither requires the other to engage higher level thinking, which is where they struggle. (laughs) And so, yeah, they seem, they seem happy. Clearly. I mean, again, I don't know exactly what about him is so physically attractive to her, but she seems into it. But you do you girl. Yeah. Yeah. Go and get it, as they say, and and he's winning Temptation Island, which I have to say I did not see happening. Well, yeah, bless them both. Uh, what couple do you want to pivot to next? Well, speaking of bless them both, let's let's jump to the Aaron Corey axis, to the Aaron Corey space, as we might say. And I'll start. I'll start with Aaron. So Aaron, I mean, this episode before she even picked Juwan for for her date. I mean, it started with her having this just riff. And where she's talking about how, you know, she's over on this side of the island just sobbing and she's watching Corey, like, make a connection and how mad she is. And I've realized, like, the defining characteristic of Erin, the thing that I find most impressive about her, is just, like, how fast her mind is able to contort things. Because, like, she, her arc on the show has gone from wanting to ditch him to then imagining, sadly, that he might ditch her, to then imagining that he already did ditch her, to convincing herself that he's an asshole for ditching her. All the while that I think Corey has maybe, like, just this episode figured out he's on TV. 
<laughs> like <laughs> the varying degrees of speed at which the two of them are processing the same events is just hilarious to me. Aaron says, Tonight was my toughest bonfire. He's over there making a connection while I've been pining for him. I hope he knows if he does anything, it's over. And if while working on yourself, you can't see that I am the love of your life, then you don't deserve me. I just think she's giving Corey a lot of credit for what Corey is actually doing, which is just like, this is weird. I'm going to try to make a friend. Some people like me. That's nice. I'm not used to that. I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, Aaron and Corey are not on the same mental plane, I will say. Not to mention that Aaron is making these just gymnastic-like leaps from thing to thing based on tiny clips that production is showing her. She's not, you know, she's like, I'm constantly weeping. It's like, well, I probably bet production's not only showing Corey videos of you constantly weeping. Think about it, Aaron. Yeah, I don't know. I will say, ironically, as we say all of this, I gave the Aaron and Juan date the I think this was actually good for her award. Like, she has realized some shit about herself. She realizes that she's fucked up from past relationships, that, like, she was bringing a bunch of baggage and garbage into her relationship with Corey, that she needs to work on herself, all of which I think is positive for Aaron. I'm not sure an environment where she has to speculate on what her boyfriend's doing from short video clips is the best environment for her. Luckily, she never needs to go to Temptation Island again. So (laughs) that at least is, you know, she can leave that one in the past. I gave her the award. This is a random one. I gave her the White Power Bill Award, if that was his name, from, from Arrested Development when Tobias is in jail for some reason I'm now forgetting. And he has this conversation with a character named, whose name was either White Power Bill or White Power Bob. I can't remember. And he's just telling him, he's like, you, you hate White Power Bill. And White Power Bill is like, I hate you. And he's like, no, you hate White Power Bill. It's like, I hate the Jews. And it's like, you hate White Power Bill. It's like, I hate my father. I hate White Power Bill. And then White Power Bill just jumps over a, a tear and kills himself. Oh, and it's like hearing Aaron say that like soccer hurt her to me was just like, the furthest thing that I expected from the beginning of this season, like Aaron deciding that like soccer was bad for her reminded me of the the turn that white power bill took in arrested development. And again, forgive me for either trivializing white supremacy, suicide, or forgetting white power bills proper name. But I think you're right that, yeah, she's, she's coming to terms with things. I just think that she should just chill a little bit and understand that like, She's like 30 steps ahead of Corey. Like, Corey, this is all happening so much slower mm-hmm. for. Uh, let's pivot to Corey and Amanda. The award that I gave them is the They Are Cute Award. I don't even know what else to say. Like, And in terms of what changed in this, I guess the only changes I'll say is like, I am like legit shipping them. Oh my God, and that was the award I gave them. It was the I Ship It Award. They just seem like they're on the same speed and they're just nice to each other and they seem to make each other happy. And I think maybe that's enough. Again, I I certainly don't think Corey is not going to ditch Aaron for Amanda on national TV. Like that is a dick move. I do think it's possible that they will break up, though I still think it's probably most likely that he just will kind of capitulate and hopefully just Aaron will be nicer to him than it seems like she was before. But like Corey and Amanda seem legitimately cute. And I do think 
I had worried maybe initially, like he's so susceptible to just being manipulated. You know, you don't know these people. You worried that like Amanda was doing that. She seems nice. He seems nice. I like them. I don't know really what else even to say. They're lovely. I don't really have much more to say either. Uh, If I go back to the metric you were using of like, did this date change anything about how I thought about them? It was just, I would be totally happy in a universe where they ended up together. They seem sweet for each other. And I think you're, you know, you're right that Corey's just a, he's a slow, gentle soul. And Amanda seems to be very, she's good at working with that same vibe. And Aaron's brain is like a garbage disposal that like the fork got into while it was running, you know, (laughs) like like their, their vibes are just really different. So yeah, I don't know. As I said, I ship it. They're cute. Amanda really likes him, I think he really likes her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he again just seems too nice to leave Aaron in this format. Um, I don't think he will. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess we'll, we'll get we'll get to our we'll get to our predictions. Um, speaking of people who might leave other people, hopefully, my wife, who has been awoken by me doing this podcast, will not will not leave me for that transgression. <laughs> but as always. We await the final bonfire. All right, who do you want to who do you want to talk about next? Oh, all right. I'm trying to see who we haven't talked about yet. Okay, uh, let's bring it to Lex and Kristen. I gave this one the the good effort award to Lex because for some of these dates, they're really like there's no daytime portion that we see. It's really just sort of the the person in a couple being therapized by the person that they are on a quote unquote date with. And Lex is really just like, I'll set the scene. They're having a dinner and Lex is like, yo, what are you going to do? And she's like, I don't know. I don't know. I really like him, but are we on the same page? And Lex is like, that's really vague. What do you mean by that? And she's like, he cheated on me when he was 18. And Lex is like, yo, this dinner is pretty dope, though. I'm going to stop trying to make you talk sense. See. <laughs> so I felt like Lex kind of gave it, an, he gave it his all. He gave it a shot. Kristen's talking in circles per the huge. And I don't know. That was kind of what I got from that one. I like Lex. Uh, what about you, Dan? Yeah, I gave him the Oprah Award. I mean, he he was there to do a job, like you're saying. I mean, he was there to try to, like, really get the interview really pull out the information. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this one, there's really no way to know how this is going to turn out. I mean, it's kind of like, we were talking last week or two weeks ago. If any of our listeners know what day <laughs> is, more power to you. We certainly do not. But we were talking about Corey saying to Amanda, you know, if I weren't with my girlfriend, I'd want to be with you. And the question is like, is that a shitty thing or a kind thing to say? And what you said very astutely was, I think it'd be a shitty thing in the real world, but I think that it makes sense in Temptation Island. And so like in the real world, if he just randomly proposed to her, as we'll, we'll talk about when we get to Julian, she'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, that's not where we are right now. Yeah. But in Temptation Island, she might, because if the premise of Temptation Island is you break up or you get married, right? Some like weird corollary to fucking Shakespeare, where at least you don't have to <laughs> die if you don't get married. Maybe of those two options, she says yes. But this this Kristen Lex date was just a rehash of kind of where Kristen has been the whole time. And it's just, it's one of these weird things that this show produces. It's just a rare situation where the national viewing public of Temptation Island, I think, 
understands at this point where Julian is better than Kristen is. Kristen does. Just because of what we've seen from him on this godforsaken island. She's like, he's partying all the time. Like, I don't know if I could trust him. It's like, I don't get the sense that he's, well, obviously, he's not, like, partying in, in any way a problematic way on this fucking party show. Yeah. And you could say, well, yeah, he knows he's on TV, but, like, Julian does not seem capable, let alone interested, in constructing a false persona. Like, I just do not believe, and maybe this is just the magic slash delusion of reality TV, but I just don't believe that this is a false persona that he's creating for this show. And it's like, do you really, I mean, I understand, like you mentioned last time, like, yeah, he cheated on you when he was 18. Like, we do some shit when we're 18. (laughs) (laughs) And like, yeah, he knows he's on television, I didn't see that stopping a lot of other people from doing some pretty dumb shit while drunk and being manipulated by producers on this show. I mean, he just seems like he's someone who is exactly what he is. A big, sweet Aquaman of a person who fucked up six years ago and now really loves her and wants to get married. Like, I just, you know, I I think the Julian arc is pretty straightforward. He fucked up a long time ago. He loves her. He wants to be with her for the rest of her life. It, it makes me think of that that line in, in Parks and Rec where, where Ron is talking to April and he says, uh, April, do you fish? And April <laughs> says, no. And Ron says, let me give you some fishing advice. <laughs> when you got a fish on the line, you got to reel it in or you let it go, especially when that fish is a big, dumb fish with a good, big fish heart. And if I've ever heard a better description What's going on with Kristen and Julian? I can't think of one. I was also thinking of Ron Swanson love advice last week when Aaron was throwing a fuss fit because Corey hadn't said I love you in the video. When Ron is just like, Andy, she's mad because you didn't say I love you. April, stop being a child. Of course he loves you. (laughs) Now everyone apologize. Now everyone apologize. I like how there are only like, four kinds of people on this show, which is to say you have this like intersection of like, are they an asshole? Yes or no. Are they an idiot? Yes or no. (laughs) And both Corey and Julian to a certain extent, it's like, are they assholes? No. Are they idiots? Yeah. A little bit, a little little bit. bit. I mean, the the tough thing for Julian is that he's only going to have like, I would guess two to three minutes while being videotaped to say all the shit that they need to have like, an intense multi-hour conversation about that involves a lot of tears. And possibly a mental health professional. Yeah. Which again, <laughs> reminder to the viewers. <laughs> not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I gave Julian and Tula the Jesus, I hope this all works out, but I think it's a bad idea award. I gave them the pressured by producers in society award, at least Julian. I mean, all I'll say is that in the language of this show, and to a certain extent, I just think in the language that Julian is raised in, which is to say like a very particular, you know, marriage plot adjacent form of patriarchy, right? I mean, like closure equals marriage. I think this is legitimately the boldest declaration of love that he can think of. And I don't think it's the right one, but I really hope that Kristen appreciates the place that it is coming from. And at least just like is smart enough to be like, I will say yes on TV and then we can work on this and not to like break his Aquaman heart, no. break his fish heart on break TV. His big fish heart. 
But again, it's also, it comes down to the way that he can explain it. And the problem is that he's, I'm sure, been indoctrinated enough on the show that the only way he can explain it is through talking about fucking journeys. <laughs> and so, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go. I do, if I had to ask one person one question from this episode, what I would do is I would ask Tula, did you at any, I would ask Tula, did you at any point ask Julian, like, Are you sure this is the right thing to do right now? <laughs> Maybe I'm also overestimating Tula. Maybe Tula is swept up in this pageantry as well. I mean, she's literally a pageant queen. I also feel like producers would be like, Tula, shut up. We need Aquaman to propose. Uh, Shout out to Tula for some fire pink pants. Yeah, I guess maybe let's pivot then to our last set of couples. Let's, again, I feel honor bound. I feel like because this is such a pro Erica space, I think we have to start with Jesse and Erica. I want to give them the Jurassic Park Award because it be, their date began with a helicopter ride and entered into a brief calm. But we, the audience, know that she's going to have to engage a dinosaur later. It's true. I I gave it two awards, the Get It Girl Award and the I Don't Trust Helicopters Award. <laughs> I just feel like like helicopters are the kind of thing that like even rich people die in helicopters. You know? Yeah. I just, they're not safe. And I know if I was on a reality TV show, I would be forced to get in a helicopter. But I, like, why is riding in a helicopter this, like, romantic thing? I don't like it. I don't trust it. I think I'd I'd rather be on a horse. And that is saying (laughs) a lot. (laughs) I'm curious if any of our listeners have the statistics ready at hand over how many people die being thrown from horses rather than crashing in helicopters. Because... This is why you tune into a reality recap podcast. Bring in the stats. I mean, I, you know, a teaser for our attempt to, or for our Top Chef podcast. Are you more likely to die using uh, for liquid nitrogen from suffocation or from burns? Stay tuned for the answer. These are the exciting questions. I mean, zero to a hundred percent. Did she fuck him? I wondered about that. There was some like suggestion of a chaste snuggle. There was. She also, though, does say, and again, the semiotics of reality TV euphemisms here require much, much unpacking. I waited until our final day to show him physically how much I appreciated him. Before she said that, I thought no. After she said that, I thought maybe. I felt like maybe it was like heavy petting. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's also right. I mean, it so much comes down to the way the producers want to want to present them and a big part unfortunately, of, you know, just the the gender politics and sexual politics of these kinds of shows is that she is the hero. And if she's going to be the hero to a certain extent, she needs to be chased. I mean, Gwen Kirby just did a pretty good eye roll, but I I do (laughs) feel like the way that they present her, like, given that Erica is the hero of this show, I don't think they were ever going to give us night vision sex, even if she did it. No, I agree. I mean, my eye roll was for the patriarchy and not for the accuracy of your comment, which I agree. Uh, I mean, you know, women, good women don't have sex on Temptation Island. Even though I really was pro-Erica jumping on as many dicks as she wanted. I will say, again, I was thinking of your comment about the difference between normal communication and Temptation Island when Jesse says, I'm super proud of where you are right now. And (laughs) Some of our listeners, because all of our listeners most likely know me, know how like 
it makes my skin crawl when people say they're proud of other people. Dan hates that. I think it's just so fucking insulting and condescending. And there's maybe like four relationships in the world where it's not insulting to tell someone that you're proud of them. Suffice it to say, Jesse does not meet that. However, we're on Temptation Island. And so I guess this is not an insulting thing to say, to say that I'm proud of your growth, (laughs) which is to say, like, again, like, I'm proud that, like, you grew far enough from where you were that you, at the very least, snuggled me in your negligee. I concur. And while in the real world, yeah, maybe, maybe not. I dug it here. I mean, I think Erica has been on a journey to to freedom, and and part of freedom was negligee cuddling this weird looking muppet, and uh, I think that that's good. And I hope Kendall felt bad about it while he watched. Although I don't think he did because I don't think he experiences emotions. But if he were to experience one, I hope it was a negative one. Honestly, like, I'm imagining Kendall watching this show and literally fast-forwarding through all the parts that aren't Kendall. (laughs) I totally agree. (laughs) Like, I bet you he just watched, like, the Night Vision threesome just on a loop. Ew. Oh, gross. But yeah. And then, like, reached out to the production staff who's, like, unfortunately, he was able to find their phone numbers. And it's just, like, asking them if they have the, like, the unedited film for him <laughs> well anyway let's 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 end with him and alexis and their their fairy tale their fairy tale romance here's my first question is there like, would you want rose petals in a bed ever okay one not really two this is one of my favorite stories about andrew and i is that we were at awp dc and, and Andrew was there with me and we were staying at a hotel because I was working for the Cincinnati Review. And so they were paying for it. And it was Valentine's Day. And we, we walk into our hotel room. I've been gone all day. And there's like chocolate and some like rose petals on the bed, which obviously in retrospect, Andrew had set up. But the first thing I said was, well, we're not paying extra for that. <laughs> because I guess in my mind, the hotel had like snuck into our room to try to force some Valentine's Day bullshit on us that I was going to have to pay extra for when in fact my husband had just gotten me flowers and dessert and was planning to pamper me after a long day of AWP. So I will say when Andrew Knoll does it, it's very sweet. When Kendall does it, I couldn't give a shit. Listeners, if you're ever wanting an anecdote that reflects the difference between people from Southern California who have spiritually tried to adopt the Midwest and actual Midwesterners, <laughs> I think you could do worse than the one that Gwen just presented. I mean, some of the shit that Kendall says, you know, Alexis is like, I'm kind of worried. And, and Kendall is like, you know, no matter what happens, there's going to have to be some shifts in my life. It's like, I mean, I would think there are going to have to be some shifts in your life now that You've gone on national television and declared that you're a psychopath, but maybe not the exact shifts that you're talking about. Alexis says tonight is going to be like reality. I loved that. I really hope for your sake that is not the case, but. Yeah, I mean, really, what more is there to say? Kendall says Alexis feels perfect in my arms when his nose is about two inches away from her boobs. (laughs) You know, and as I said before, romance isn't dead. So I I gave them the, is this over yet award. (laughs) 
they're both they're both ready to uh, get home and at least for Alexa start cashing those sweet sweet Instagram uh, checks. All right, so next week we are going to get the first half of these bonfires. My prediction, just in terms of the order that they will go in, just having watched the first two seasons of this, they like to come. They like to pair a happy ending with a sad ending each week and to save the big fireworks for last. I suspect it is going to start with Corey and Aaron, then be Chelsea and Thomas in the first episode, and then the last episode will be Julian and Kristen, followed by Kendall and Erica. Though if they inverted that to end with the proposal, that wouldn't shock me either. But that's kind of where I see it's going. So let's start with Julian and Kristen. He's going to propose. What do you think she's going to say? This really is the one of the four where I don't feel like I know what's going to happen. With the other three, I feel like I've got a pretty good sense. But with this one, he's going to propose. And I I think she's going to say yes, because I think she is not... Because I think if she says no, she just burns that bridge. Like it's over yeah. and they're done. And I know that I said, you know, when this all started, I was like, she is here to break up with him. And I think that that's where she started, but I don't think that that's where she's ended. I don't think that she's ended at a place where she wants to marry him, but I do think perhaps she's ended at a place where she'd like to work on it with him and saying yes on TV is going to be the step that she's taking toward that. And it's, I don't know, you know, it's a real engagement in the same way that like when the bachelor proposes at the end of the season, they're engaged. Like, yeah, okay. There's a, enormous rock on your finger but like it's not it's not really real i don't know what do you think dan wait all those bachelor engagements they didn't get married you know not every single one uh a couple of them got married this is you're you're breaking my heart here yeah i agree i also think that like as much as i'm really not confident in his ability to articulate a lot of the emotional shit that he's come to realize in this weird group therapy session on TV. I do think that there's going to be effect an effect of her seeing his sweet fish face. <laughs> I mean, to me, the most kind of the biggest memory that I almost have from this season is just like that moment when he's crying by himself on the bed. Oh yeah. And then when she cries, seeing that video, like that is, I'd say by far, like the two realist clips that I think I've seen this whole season. And I think that, seeing him and his smiling sweet fish face and him like saying that he loves her. I think you're right. I don't think that she's just going to like just beat him with a bat or whatever (laughs) fish when you get them in the boat. But, but again, it comes down to a certain extent what he's able to articulate and like if she's able to diffuse it, right? Like this is a bomb that's about to go off. And if the only two are options are like you fall on it, or you like, I don't know, throw it into the air or whatever. I, I do I do think that she says yes, but if she can find a way to redirect it that like doesn't hurt his fish heart in that moment, then then maybe she will. Yeah. Who do you wanna who do you wanna predict next? Um well I guess I think this one will be kind of a quick softball. Dan, what do you think happens with Aaron and Corey? I do think they stay together. I think that like she comes out blazing and is like I'm sorry, and a lot of this is me, and I've changed, and I want to try something. I want to try this with you again, with me now having changed. And I think that he will understand 
20 to 25% of the things that she says and the things that she says that he will understand are that she does like him and she wants to stay with him. Yep. That's what I think is going to happen. I think he's going to say some vague words about how he's gotten more confident. She's going to say, that's awesome. And they're going to leave together. I don't, I don't know that they're going to stay together, but I think they for sure will leave the island together. And if they don't stay together, I hope Corey texts Amanda. Definitely. I think that I think that in the rom-com, the Hallmark rom-com of the two of them, the last scene is Amanda checking in to the La Jolla Holiday Inn, Aww. at which Corey is the concierge manager. What a And she goes moment. up to the concierge and she says, they told me this is where I should go if I need something. And he says, what do you need? And she says, I need your heart. No. I would watch that. It's a beautiful product placement fantasy fairy tale. How marvelous. And it'll only smell a little bit like seal shit while it happens. <laughs> the La Jolla dreams. All right. Beautiful thing. Thomas and Chelsea. I mean, the only question is like, who gets to talk first? Who they let talk first to say like, fuck you slash I fucked somebody. I'm not sure who they're going to let talk first. Obviously, they're going to break up. For me, the question is do they choose to leave the island with people or no? I think Tom chooses to leave with Sophia, and I hope Chelsea doesn't choose to leave with Blake. And I don't think she will. I think Chelsea's going to give some speech that, like, kind of gets Blake off the hook, like, you're so great, but it's so important to me that I'm an independent woman kind of speech, and she leaves on her own. The only way she's leaving with Blake is if she needs, like, an emergency root canal on the fucking flight. (laughs) And even then, I'm sure you can find a better dentist than that motherfucker. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that in the classic in the classic manner of Kelly Taylor at the end of season five of 90210, she is going to choose herself. And I think that's the right choice considering all the other alternatives. And I don't think that Tom is going to put Sophia where he can't see her until, until the shine has quite worn off. Which leads only Kendall and Erica. I mean, obviously, I, I don't think there's any way they end up, they stay together. I think that, I think Jesse is right that there is much to be proud of in, in how she has changed, at least in the sense of recognizing and articulating that he's terrible. I mean, the only certainty that I have about this other than that they won't end up together. is just like, whatever Kendall does, it will be pathetic and shameless and indicative <laughs> yes. of just being Kendall. I agree. I think, I mean, they obviously aren't going to leave together. I presume production will orchestrate it so that Erica gets to give a big fuck you speech to Kendall and then Kendall will say no rules. And How then... many times? <laughs> Let's actually predict this. I set the over-under of times he says to Erica no rules at two and a half, meaning minimum two. Like, would you say fewer than two and a half or more? I was going to say no rules. I was going to say three. Okay. I think only two, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. And then does he leave with Alexis or does he leave by himself? I think by himself, he's got no issue. Well, no, no. Do I think that? I mean, there's like what you were saying earlier about like, you know, Tom wins because, you know, bullshit patriarchal ideas of masculinity are like satisfied if you have sex and you leave with someone. But also I don't really think Kendall wants to like deal with Alexis anymore. And so, I, I don't know. What do you think? I think that's one area they're on the same page with then. <laughs> yes. I mean, the question really is who they let talk first. My prediction is they're going to let Kendall talk first. And because he's Kendall, he's going to like 
hear her out. And he's going to say, like, I've grown. I hope you've grown. I'm willing to stay with you. And Erica is going to be like, get the fuck out of here. At which point, I don't think Kendall will have the option even to leave with Alexis because he's already said that he wants to stay with Erica. That makes sense. I do think for sure they're going to let him talk first because they're going to let him dig that hole as deep <laughs> as he can dig it before they before they let Erica talk. And I will say this. He is a savant hole digger. <laughs> he really is. In that capacity. But his other incredible gift is having no perception of his own altitude <laughs> as he digs himself lower and lower. No, I. it's going to be amazing. Um, well, I've got one final thing to finish uh, us off with. We've got a listener comment. Oh my, this is a big day for us. I know. Uh, someone named Claire in Pittsburgh wrote in to say that she came to Resting Batch Face for the Top Chef recaps, and three days later, I've binged all of this season of Temptation Island. Thank you for the comment, Claire. Uh, and we are happy to be spreading the good word of Temptation Island across the nation. That's pretty exciting that we have a listener comment from somebody that obviously neither of us know no we've never met this person it's so wonderful that they listen (laughs) but as always we look forward to getting more and more listener comments and questions from all of our devoted listeners that who now even amongst our combined 20 fingers we could not count so this is an exciting moment for us thank you all for being with us on this journey (laughs) and we're looking forward for you to being with us as we try to process our emotional growth through the final bonfire slash small outdoor barbecues in the next two weeks. Final barbecue can be an emotional time. We hope to hear from you at batch underscore face on Twitter or resting batch face at Gmail. As always, totally sensibly batch spelled like Johann Sebastian Bach's last name. Thank you all for being here. We'll catch you next time. Thanks everyone.